This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act begins this week, which means that there are only some 45 days to shop for coverage. And that is just one of the changes, that shorter period to get your insurance. There are others as well that people should be made aware of. And discuss this, we welcome into studio Mark Pauley, Professor of Healthcare Management, as well as Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy here at the Wharton School. And joining us on the phone, Catherine Hempstead, who's a Senior Advisor at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Mark, as always, great to see you. Thanks for coming in today. Good to be here. Catherine, great to have you with us as well. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, For both of you, and Catherine, I'll start with you. Are there one or two things as this begins to roll out that, that you think are the most important things for people to be aware of? Well, I mean, I think for a lot of people, they need to be aware that the law did not, in fact, get repealed. So there still is an open enrollment. There is a market, and it starts tomorrow, as you say. And I think the second thing is for people to make sure that they get in the right product because the states have adjusted to this absence of cost sharing reductions in a lot of different ways. So depending on how your state chose to price the products, you need to really look and see what's the best option for you. Mark? Well, I think most people, uh, that's 97% of Americans, uh, don't have to pay much attention to this at all because they don't get insurance uh, through the exchanges. It's only uh, 10 million, 11 million people, 3% of the population that get their insurance this way. And then I think Catherine's advice is the right one. Uh, You need to shop around and you need to do it even more so this year. But also you need to be prepared to be disappointed because uh, uh, if you are buying on the exchange and you're not eligible for a subsidy, you're going to see in in virtually every state a substantial jump in premiums. If you are a subsidized person, though, uh, uh, you uh, need to shop around for the policy you most like best, but your premium won't necessarily change because the uh, federal subsidy to the premium will go up. But should people have already been thinking about this? I mean, obviously, it's a little bit of a shorter period, but still, Mark, it's it's something that I think for most people that do have that insurance, nothing was going to significantly change where they were you know, going to be on the insurance plan of an employer in this period of time. They needed to start thinking about what they were going to need to be ready for for 2018. Well, I guess if you were imagining that you were going to quit your job or retire from your job and and set up shop as a a self-employed person uh, and you expect to do reasonably well at that, then you you should be planning ahead and you should be planning for um, uh, substantially uh, increased premiums that you would have to pay. If you are a relatively low-income person and have been on exchange uh, on the exchange for years, uh, you really don't need to worry about your financial uh, 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 future because uh, the uh, uh, amount that you will have to pay for your insurance is limited by the law that's still in effect. Uh, you may, though, want to look around for a better deal than you had before. And in particular, um, uh, many of the plans are um, uh, either reducing the size of their networks or uh, changing the out-of-pocket payments. So 
um, um, although most of us, me included, would rather run our insurance uh, um, calculations by the set it and forget yeah. it rule, uh, particularly if you're on the exchange, things change substantially from year to year, and also a lot of firms are dropping out. So uh, even your favorite company may may disappear. Uh, if you're in Delaware, there's only going to be one company left, Highmark. Uh, so uh, you need to pay attention, and uh, as if you didn't have enough to worry about, here's one more thing to worry about. Your opportunity to ask questions about the affordable. Care Act, especially for those of you listening to us that are in that realm, that uh, that are getting your insurance through the ACA. The way for you to join in is either by phone at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, or if you can't get to the phone, send us a comment on Twitter, and we'll bring it up on the show that way, at bizradio111, B-I-Z radio 111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at danloney21. Catherine, you mentioned uh, right product a second ago, and, and kind of playing off of what Mark just said, I think it, it it's a twofold process. Correct me if I'm wrong. One is the pricing part of it, but two is what you actually have in that particular policy uh, because of what you may need or may not need going forward, depending on uh, what conditions you may be involved with. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's right. There's sort of two aspects to this. And in one sense, and, and Mark did allude to this, people in some sense have less choice than they have before because there's been an enormous amount of exit this year from the market. I mean, exits exceeded entries by a ratio of like seven to one sort of at the county level. So many people are going to need to change plans because their carriers left, and many people are going to find that they have fewer different companies to choose from. And I think we're also seeing that even companies that are in the market have reduced the number of plans that they're offering. So in a certain sense, there's less choice. But in another sense, looking kind of vertically, thinking about what metal you should be buying and whether you should, if you're unsubsidized, whether you should be buying a plan that's off the market, that's actually more important than usual because of the way in which states have chosen to, many states, and I would say most states, have chosen to react to the loss of the cost sharing reduction payments by heaping a a disproportionate increase in premium on the silver product. So people can kind of uh, leverage that spread and take that subsidy and use it to buy a different metal and actually find the best deal for themselves by buying bronze or gold. And then some unsubsidized people would be better to buy bronze or gold or buy an off-market silver plan if, in fact, the state has heaped the increase on the marketplace silver. So in that sense, finding the right product sort of metal-wise and on and off exchange-wise is is more important than usual. And the actual choice of, you know, what what carriers brand to get, in some ways that's been reduced because there actually is less choice. Mark? Yes, that's right. If you're uh, say if you're a modest income person, uh, the the uh, the way it works is the subsidy uh, that uh, that the government is willing to pay toward your choice of insurance is triggered by the relationship of the second cheapest silver plan to your income. Yeah. But you may well find that that dollar amount of subsidy is um, enough to make a bronze plan actually free for you. It's larger. It pays for the bronze plan premium uh, uh, 100%. And so uh, you may want to go there. It's certainly a low price. Of course, you'll have a higher out-of-pocket payment if you go to the bronze plan. But the same is true for silver versus gold. Uh, You might even want to step up a notch Mm -hmm. uh, if you uh, uh, make the calculations correctly. Uh, But uh, they are complicated calculations, although there are calculators out there to help you. 
uh, do that. Um, uh, I guess the other source of uncertainty is, as long as we're talking about all of these things, the the uh, uh, physicians and hospitals that are in the various networks, particularly the physicians, change a lot. So you may yeah. want to check to make sure that your favorite doctors are still in the network that you you are thinking of choosing, uh, because it may they may have been there last year, they may not be there this year. Is there an expectation, Catherine, that that we could see more shifting this year than we have, say, last year? Uh, because of all of these different factors, as Mark mentioned, you know, making sure that your doctor is involved in a specific uh, in a specific plan. Obviously, the cost of of, uh, of the insurance and the subsidies going higher this year. Do you, is there an expectation amongst people in the industry that we will see quite a bit of shifting here in this forty five day period? You mean shifting from plan to plan? Yes, correct. Well, I mean, I think there's there's sort of by design there's got to be quite a bit because i think uh about half of the counties in the country lost a carrier so you know just just thinking about it from a very sort of mechanistic standpoint there's going to be a lot of people that that need to find a new carrier so i I think there will be some shifting and we might actually you know see an up an uptake in gold you know which there's been really a preference for silver and over the years of the market we've seen more and more people in silver and fewer people in gold and bronze and so it'll be interesting to see if this year we might see more people choosing a higher actuarial value plan which um, you know would be would be kind of a change and I think providers will probably like that because they won't need to collect as much money from patients or you know on the other hand maybe more people are gonna choose bronze which is sort of going the other way so I think we might see you know um, as a reaction to these pricing strategies relatively fewer people in marketplace silver plans, which would be, you know, exactly logical. And it'll be interesting to me to see which way they go. Mark? I think the biggest uh, change that people expect is that the 10 or 15 percent of people who are in exchanges above 400 percent of the poverty line, so they're not getting subsidies, are likely to pull out of exchanges. Um, uh, I was um, talking to a podiatrist this morning, and although I usually don't discuss health insurance in my bare feet, uh, <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did point out to him. very vulnerable. Yeah, right. I did point out to him that uh, that uh, the, that the, 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 the premiums, well, in Pennsylvania, they're, and actually in the tri state area, they're all due to go up by about 25% or thereabouts. And uh, you may actually find a better deal on an off-exchange individual plan because they they were never eligible. Those insurers were never eligible for cost-sharing subsidies. So the fact that the Trump administration has canceled cost-sharing subsidies doesn't make their costs go up any more than they did before, although they may still shadow price the higher premiums uh, in the uh, 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 unsubsidized market on the exchanges. I think from a policy point of view, when the dust clears, the exchange plans will probably end up being almost entirely for lower middle-income people who get subsidies. And right. the original concept that this was going to be like uh, travelocity for all Americans right. buying individual insurance, I think, is 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 uh, is not going to be uh, able to be made at least during the period of the Trump administration. What do you think is going to be the uh, the the approach of people uh, who maybe last year decided to take the gamble? and not have the health insurance and pay the fine. And I say that because it, recently they, the IRS announced that if you're somebody who didn't take the coverage, they weren't going to accept your tax return for you know in, in the upcoming year. Uh, well, so there's a, a considerable debate about that. Some of the um, 
uh, estimates of the number of people who will take the decline in exchange coverage uh, factor in a less strict enforcement of the individual right. mandate, which right. the Trump administration wants to do. As you point out, I'm not quite sure how that will work uh, indirectly because it shows up on your income tax form and you have to fill out whether or not you had qualified coverage. But what seems to be likely to happen is that if you send a note saying, oh, this would be hard for me to pay this fine, uh, the, the, the word may be that the IRS is told to say okay. Yeah. Uh, and um, so uh, less strict enforcement. The individual mandate was never that powerful anyway. Right. Relative to the premium you would have had to pay, especially if you were going to buy pam- family coverage, it was really kind of a, a chump change relative to that, although it's higher than it used to be. But uh, but it, it may well be that that will um, – uh, and the expectation is that that will be less strictly enforced because, after all, the Trump administration – I mean, we have the spectacle here of a law passed under one administration now being administered by another administration that hates the law. And uh, that's sort of the recipe for, at a minimum, confusion and probably for um, for um, some serious problems. Catherine? I, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because um, a lot of carriers cited this mandate weakening as a – component in their pricing. And I think, uh, you know, Horizon in New Jersey, for example, mm-hmm. made quite a big emphasis on that. But I, I think uh, Mark's raised some, you know, some kind of interesting issues about tangibly, you know, what is it really going to amount to? Is there sort of a different tone that's going to make people think they can get a hardship exemption? It seems like, you know, the IRS is going to behave the way it had intended to behave, at least in terms of not accepting silent returns. So, you know, how how is this really going to affect take up and price, you know, was the, were the Pricing allowance is really justified. I'm not. I'm not really sure. And I think there are probably some people who might get the sense that maybe there's, for some people, a better deal to be had this year. For some, there's not, but for some, there are. And so you might see some people taking a look and realizing, oh, this is actually, ironically, better market for me this year because the subsidy is so much bigger and I can use it and and get a plan, you know, that I wasn't willing to pay what I had to pay last year. This year, it's a better deal. So I think it's hard to say how much. If anything, the kind of attitudinal stuff about the mandate is going to affect take up. What about the the concern that some people still have out there uh, if they have a pre-existing condition and, and trying to get insurance? And, and I, obviously that's been, you know, it's played from uh, the fact of getting the information that you won't be turned away. But there's still that concern out there, Catherine, for, for some reason. Concern that people are going to get turned away? Yes. Well, I mean... They they shouldn't feel that way, and I mean I think that that's why the there's a kind of a sticky large core at the center of the individual market of people who know that they need health care and you know really want to have insurance and they're going to go out there and get it you know whether it's 10 million people whether it's 12 million people I'm not really sure and then you know the ACA for them is is really important because unless they lived in one of the few states that had guaranteed issue in the individual market you know there's really nothing like it that they've ever been able to have before, and they don't have an alternative. So I think that, you know, that's why there's sort of a floor to how how bad things can get or how low turnout can get. But then there are these other people who, you know, I think need to need to see a product that they're willing to pay for and are, you know, maybe more temporarily in this market. And I think that's the that's the component that, that the ACA has struggled to attract. Mark? Well, if you're if you're reasonably – you only have to worry if you're a high risk and you're reasonably well off so you're not eligible yeah. for the subsidy because 
then your premiums will rise. So if Bill Gates is diagnosed with diabetes, uh, he's going to have to pay a higher premium than uh, before. But uh, uh, if you have a high-risk condition uh, and uh, you're eligible for subsidies, your premium is capped the same as everybody else's premium. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it will uh, – <laughs> I mean, the worst thing that could happen to you is your income will go up and then yeah. you'll have to pay more <laughs> of the premium. But there's worse things than that. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in or send a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, something that I saw written, Catherine, in a couple of articles is the concerns that people should have about the automatic rollover uh, from their coverage this past year automatically into into 2018. Uh, give us your insight on what people should be really thinking about where that is concerned. Well, I think that the the issue there is if you're if you're in a state that loaded the cost sharing reduction onto the silver plan and you were in a marketplace silver, then th- that's you know not necessarily the plan you should be in next year. You maybe want to change metals. You know you probably do want to change metals. So I think that that's something that um, you know even up till a few days ago, people were still kind of working out, you know, what what is that automatic RAM going to look like? And that's a thing where carriers are really stepping up and trying to help people make sure they get into the right product, as are a lot of state insurance departments. Mark? Yes, I think that's right. That, uh, you know, again, the, the, the market has become um, uh, more um, confusing in terms of choosing which level of plan you want, where... Yeah. Um, it's sort of an upside-down version of the precious metal syndrome where gold may be cheaper than silver. But, but uh, it, when they're setting up the website, you know, when people are going to go look at it, from what I understand, yeah. they're setting it up via price now, and they're not setting it up via the actual metal, that's gold, right. silver, or gold, silver, that's or bronze. That's right. I think that goes back to what I said before, that uh, this, especially now, people don't want to um, – Set it and forget it when it comes to health insurance. They want to uh, investigate these things themselves. That's the smart thing to do. And although the uh, automatic rollover, the states are trying, it's actually quite a challenge to figure out what's the best plan right. to roll you over into. Mm-hmm. You you may have preferences too as yeah. to what uh, uh, you know. Even if one if the gold still a little more expensive than silver, if it's much if it's much less of an increment in cost, that may be a reason to go there. Up to this point, people who haven't taken silver have almost always taken bronze. The the, the more precious go down, not they go, go up. down, not up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but this this year, uh, especially if you're uh, 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 not uh, at the lowest uh, level of income eligibility, it may actually be worthwhile to look for um, a, a better plan than you had before. At um, at worst, a much smaller increment in premium. Again, depending on what happened in your state, because if you, in a few of the states, the lowest, second lowest silver premium didn't go up that much. But if yeah. it did go up a lot, then uh, you may actually be uh, uh, sensible, maybe sensible for you to investigate the plans you thought were too rich for your blood, because now they may not be. Catherine? Yeah, no, that's right. And then you'd also have, you know, lower cost sharing, you know, for during the year if you if you do go to gold and you know i think a lot of people struggle with the cost sharing and with the deductible so i mean there could be some real benefits to people you know in terms of actually being able to get advantage out of having health insurance and you know certainly some advantage to providers so it's interesting because I think the carriers were starting to really shy away from the higher metal plans and were offering fewer and fewer of them and were cutting broker 
commissions for the higher metal plants first because they didn't, you know, they didn't want to attract the people that really wanted to be in them, you know, which were usually people that, that had a lot of um, healthcare needs. But I think now we might see a kind of a, a different sorting of people into gold. And I'd be curious to know, you know, going forward, what, what that'll do for the, you know, combination of metals that we have in the market. And, you know, the same thing could be said of the off-exchange only part of the market, which definitely had been shrinking in terms of number of products and people offering products. But now all of a sudden, you know, as Mark mentioned, there's sort of a new reason to look there if you're a non-subsidized person in a state that, um, you know, that did uh, heap all their increase on the on-market silver. So it'll be kind of interesting to see going forward whether, you know, whether there's some more legs to that segment. How much, uh, how much, Mark, uh, of the marketplace had that been, the off-market uh, options for people? Uh, it's actually a little hard to measure that directly, but uh, 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 Catherine may know better. The number I carry around in my head was there was about 6 million people off market, off exchange, and right. about 10 or 11 million people on exchange, something I, like I that. I think that's about right. I think the number of products was shrinking during the course, you know, like starting at 2014. Every year you would see fewer fewer and fewer different products for those people. And I think, you know, some people started to feel like over time, everybody was just going to list everything in the, you know, in the marketplace. And there wouldn't really, you know, maybe in five years out, there wouldn't be that much of a ACA compliant off exchange world. But all of a sudden, you know, things have changed. What do you think, Mark, is, are the options for people, like, as you mentioned earlier, in a state like Delaware, where, you have one company that is basically running the entire state. And as you alluded to before, you have more and more companies kind of backing off what they have done in the past because of it. I, I think for people in Delaware, for people in other states that, that have uh, one insurer right now, they have to be slightly worried about whether or not those companies are going to stay there. And then it brings up the question of cross-state insurance policies again. Yeah, well... Um Usually it's not as bad as it sounds. It'll be one company, but often they'll offer a wide variety of plans. Right. So you still have a lot of choice among plans, and I don't know whether people pay uh, all that much attention to the uh, whose name it is on the cheesy piece of plastic <laughs> right. that's your membership card. Uh, but economists worry because we think competition helps to hold premiums down. Uh, the current numbers suggest that the Delaware premiums are about in line with the Philadelphia or yeah the Wilmington premiums the Philadelphia premiums the Newark New Jersey premiums are all about the same the cost or the inc- the, the rate of increase the, uh, uh, the rate of increase and the cost the rate okay. of increase is somewhere in the 20% the cost is north of $400 a month for a 40 year old person something like that so it's not chump change if you're not getting a subsidy that's for sure uh, but so far it doesn't look too uh, bad, but uh, uh, as the, the as we know, the administration has been trying to push both buying across state lines and uh, 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 creating new kinds of groups, yeah. which uh, is something to watch out for. I don't see that there's great. I mean, there, that there's great opportunities for gain there at the moment, and um, and even where uh, in a few states where that that. Uh, possibility has been available insurers haven't been so eager to mm-hmm. jump to it but uh, and say you know I'm I'm an insurer that's chartered in one state and now I want to sell in another state because they still have to jump through a lot of hoops and uh, so forth but uh, but it's something to keep your eye on and I I, I think uh, the 
uh, other than sort of bite the bullet <laughs> if you're in Delaware and just say, I'm going to have to pay $400 a month. Uh, the other thing is to potentially look for if there's some kind of group you can become a member of, like the uh, Chamber of Commerce or even your professional association if you're a self-employed professional, if you're not being subsidized. If you are being subsidized, uh, I think uh, you're uh, not in that much of a worse situation this year than you were last year, except maybe not having as many uh, opportunities to choose from, which, frankly, for some people is a relief (laughs) rather than a a cost. Well, Catherine, there has been uh, some uh, stories out there regarding uh, the companies themselves, the insurers, uh, sending the notification letter to the people that are on these plans as to what their expectations should be for the next year. Are, are we at a point now where we assume that pretty much everybody that has been on a plan has received some sort of letter notifying them what their potential increase is going to look like for 2018 so that they can make that decision of whether to stay or whether to, to shop around? I think the carriers are getting a lot more active this year. I mean, both in terms of sort of servicing their existing customers and then also doing more with outreach stuff, you know, to try to attract new customers, either new to the market, because, you know, this market has quite a bit of natural churn, because I think the estimate, kind of a rule of thumb is about a third of it turns over every year. So there's always new customers to recruit, and then there's always people that are leaving for various reasons. So I think another part of the story of this year's open enrollment is the big um, retrenchment in outreach efforts by the federal government. And, you know, what that's done, I think, is put the, you know, it's actually is kind of uh, kind of interesting in a way, it's like thrown uh, some new people into uh, positions of doing a lot more. So there's traditional sort of grassroots people and Obama era people that have gotten together to do some outreach stuff. And, and all of a sudden, I think we've seen a lot more kind of forward action from some of the carriers saying that they're really stepping out there and doing a lot more to try to attract people and tell them what's the right product for them. And then there are these different kind of uh, occupational groups, the uh, Lyft drivers and the different people mm-hmm. in sort of the gig economy doing a lot of outreach. And I think it will be it will be interesting to see um, whether that's something that persists and, you know, how, how effective people think those, those different approaches are. Great having you both with us. Thank you very much for your time today. Sure, thanks. Sure. Thanks. Great having you both. Catherine Hempstead, Mark Pauley joining us here on the show. We'll take a break. Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 